All right, hey, so we have another episode of the the Big Hunt Guys podcast, and uh, I'm here with Jeff Baird. We're at Strip Taxidermy in Southern Utah, it's in Washington, Utah, and I got Brady Miller on the mic and Neville, Chris Neville. What's up? I don't even remember sometimes that your first name's Chris because I just call you Neville all the time. Is it Chris or Christopher? Christopher is what my mother would say. <laughs> That's when you're in trouble. <laughs> Yes, we just, uh, Jeff was nice enough to have us down today to his taxidermy shop, and uh, we just want to do a podcast with him and kind of discuss some tips and tricks of taxidermy and get some ideas and just maybe share some bullshit and some stories and just talk about uh, taxidermy in general. So we appreciate you having us, Jeff. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, tell he's, us. He's got the best mustache. He's, this side he's of the got Mississippi. the best beard. If you guys don't I, know, when I first saw you, I didn't know you had it tucked in. I'm yeah. like, oh, he cut his he cut oh, his beard. He no. has it tucked in his shirt. I'm in the taxidermy <laughs> shop. You got to keep it tucked in. Should we tackle that first? Tell Have us the story to. about the beard. Yeah, there you go. It's up a little bit higher. Yeah. Uh, the beard. Yeah. Uh, my daughter started a beard oil company. It basically started though long time ago. My oldest son went on a LDS mission. Mm-hmm. And I was joking with him because I'd never even been around that or seen that or anything. And I'm like, hey, uh, I'm not shaving until you get home. <laughs> and he literally, like, slaps me and says, you better not. And then walks away for two years. Right. And so it started out as a joke. And then, then it was like everybody knew. So then it was, you know, when's he get? you know, it's getting long. And then my daughter, she started a beard oil company. And, uh, yeah, it's just been awesome. How, how did know. how did that happen? I mean, you, uh, you, did, you grew the beard, and then what's the story of her deciding to start a, a beard oil company? Yeah, so there was a guy here in town that sold it, and it, it, it smelled great, and I loved using it. It was almost like putting deodorant on again as a kid where you're like, holy crap, I'm a man, you know. I, <laughs> I'm putting deodorant on. And, you know, with the beard, it made it nice and soft, and you smelled good. And so I was like, yeah, whatever, and. And I owned a business where I was in people's houses all day, so I kind of felt like, you know, it gave a little better appearance or whatnot. And then he was kind of done doing it because there's a million beard oil companies on the market. And uh, my daughter was a high school cheerleader, long story short, making like $7 an hour at a clothing store. And I says, hey, start making beard oil. I'm sure you can sell it online, this and that. And so she started coming up with all her own recipes and doing all sorts of research. And next thing you know, we own... Baird's beard oil. <laughs> and, so and she did she did that in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And then as soon as she graduated from high school, it was actually last I guess two thousand twenty. Um, she came to us and said, Hey, I, I don't want to do it no more and I'm like, sweet and she's like, So buy me out and <laughs> here's the plan and how much you're gonna pay me and I thought it was pretty rad because she don't hunt and all my boys hunt and I buy their guns, I buy their optics, I buy their motel rooms, their tags, their application fees. You add that crap up. Right. You know, so if she asks for a chunk of change, I'm like, babe, let's give it to her. She's my only daughter, you know, and it it it, it turned out good for both of us. It's actually a great company for us now, just kind of some side money. We get to meet a lot of neat people that way. And yeah. You guys have some great merch. Yeah. We should throw a plug in. You guys have a website. You do beard yep. oil. You do merch. You do T-shirts, hats. Yep, T-shirts, hats. Mostly beard oil is our biggest thing. It's beardsbeardoil.com, B-A-I-R-D-S. Um, you can find us on Instagram. Basically, the only place we really post. But Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's fun. We get to do these shows and meet all sorts of people. And 
So now you have to keep the beard going. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm Trick considered a beard <laughs> model. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he so. really is a beard model. <laughs> How long have you been growing that thing? This is eight years. It'll uh, this will be going into my ninth year actually. And then when my daughter got married last year, I cut like 12 inches off. It was just past my knees, unbraided. And then I brought it back up to my belly button, thinking, well, <laughs> this is manageable. Yeah. You know? yeah. But now she's back down to the crotch area. So, <laughs> has I want to? Is there any been like a circumstance where you almost like got it chopped off by something? Or you know, like there's been a lot of little things like running drills and stuff where it'll catch the mustache first and aware me of it. Yep. But ninety percent of the time, it's braided and in my shirt. Yeah, you know, like just just like yeah, earlier it's just that's where it's comfortable. You know, it's not out all the time. But yeah, I mean. There's times I have a, I used to have a powered parachute and fly around, and I mean it was a little bit stressful because that oh, fan's yeah. right behind you, you know. Yeah, start flying out. Uh huh. <laughs> Luckily, it would probably just rip it. You the know? mustache is incredible. I was gonna say, what's more impressive, the mustache or the beard? Because <laughs> that mustache I think the is the, the longest mustache I have ever seen in yeah. my whole entire life. The yeah. thing I like about it is Jeff's going to turn red here, but it's got the multicolor. He's got the yeah. blonde mustache, kind of a red, you know, vibe to and it. That's all natural. All huh? natural. We don't – people ask me all the time, extensions or do you color? And I'm like, no, this is natural. <laughs> cool. Maybe maybe it's a pickle juice jar. You know, you have to take a swig every once in a while and keep hydrated. But maybe it's my wife. Maybe her acid in her mouth a little bit, you <laughs> yeah. know, high. Right. I what, don't know. What are, you, what are you doing when you bow hunt with that thing? Uh, yeah, I always this right side. I trim the mustache up quite a bit above my lip, and then I'll I'll use the pine pine mm -hmm. needle wax that we have or cedar forest wax, and I'll wax it back, <laughs> and and then that way when you're shooting, you're because I'm a I'm a anchor point. Yeah, I have to have one in my corner of my mouth, one on my nose, you know. So yeah, but I did that. Actually, that was the worst time. I was up on Beaver Mountain, gorgeous, ten thousand feet up there shooting our bows, and my beard was out. And I seen part of it float across as I was already at full draw. Ooh. And I thought, ah, it'll just get out of the way from the energy of the string. Well, it sounded like every tooth in my head left. Because oh. it just smacked my head forward in the bow. I think my arrow went like five feet because the energy just yeah. wrapped right, right it. Your, yeah. Oh, my God. Did it derail your bow? No. 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 Luckily, it just slowed it down to sure. zero, you know. <laughs> did, but, did it pull some hair out? Oh, yeah. Big, oh. Old, big old chunk. Ouch. Yeah. That's worth it, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it. it you got to learn lessons to, you yeah. know, next time it's braided or in the shirt. And Bra mm -hmm. Brady and Neville both have good beards, like really they, good they, beards. They could do it justice, and I can't. I got beard envy. I can grow some facial hair, but it's so patchy, you know. Yeah. It it looks terrible, and I get to a point I grow it out a little bit, and it looks awful. I got to trim it. I never oil mine. You got to well, get I some beard, to, some beard, beard oil. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's hilarious. Is even guys like you, we we get them and they're like, oh, if I grow it, then it gets itchy and flaky, and and I don't like. I'm like, well, dude, that's why we sell beard oil. We don't sell it to look like a freaking My Little Pony, <laughs> you know. We we sell it, you know, for guys just to get it to your skin. You know, yeah. you're after getting out of the shower, rub it down into your skin. All great essential oils, and it just helps your hair follicles grow stronger and thicker and softer which sounds weird but it's not fighting over detergents in your face yeah because the, they say it's bad to rub like your shampoo in your mm -hmm. beard dries it out dries your skin out yeah for sure but same with our head you know and, and same with everything else that's why a lot of people moisturize things like that some people are actually pretty naturally oily and they don't need it 
you know, but That's the 90% of us, <laughs> we need. And there's some, there's some people in our office, Cody Bohr, who takes a shower every four hours, and it's not technically yeah. good for you to shower that much. So Yeah, you're free, Cody. Uh, That's funny. Well, man, we uh, tell us, I guess, just to kind of introduce, give us a, so you do Baird's Beer Oil. We covered, we covered that, which is a rad brand, by the way. Sure. I, I love following along with you guys. I've, I think I've told you before, if you guys follow along with uh, Baird's Beer Oil or with Jeff on, on Instagram or social media, I mean, the guy has a super entertaining page. <laughs> I've told you before, you look like you're living the most kick-ass life. Like yeah. you're, you're out fishing, you're, you know, cliff diving or, you know, you're doing cool stuff. Yeah. So, My life's been really good. I you know worked a lot of years and worked hard and life just keeps getting better you know the harder you work the more you can play yeah so did you grow up here in southern utah what's, yeah. what's kind of your background yeah i was born in payson utah moved down here when i was like five um been here in washington hurricane washington the rest of the time you know it's getting a little t- too big too busy man. now man but it's grown a ton hasn't oh it? yeah yeah, we just drove a little bit through town, and you know, even when I went, I went to school down here at Dixie College, and it's grown so much since then. It's, it's really blowing up. Yeah, yeah. where did you say this is the fastest growing? Yeah, one of the fastest growing cities in the in the states. Really? Yeah. 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 Huh. It's yeah. been that a couple times now. Yeah. I used to actually, when I first built this house, twenty years ago, or my house, I would let my dogs out of my backyard and hunt pheasants and quail all the way down to the Virgin River and yeah you know you never had a problem anything you know now now it's all you can't houses. even shoot a bow and city limits they've they've crunched it down so do you shoot your bow here in the backyard obviously not it's against the law what was that target out there yeah. okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's just when he goes camping you grab the target uh, uh, right right put, 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 put i do have a half acre so it's pretty easy to shoot and yeah it's 50 60 yards but but yeah so how long have you been doing taxidermy um, I think I'm on my 16th year. Okay. This year should be my 16th year. Maybe a little longer. It's hard to say. Yeah. Have you always wanted to be a taxidermist? Or? You know, I'm just, I, I just love antlers. I love stories. It, you know, I love, you know, as a little boy, my mom, my biggest thing is just drop me off at the pawn shop while you go shopping or just drop me off, at, you know, so I could see the mounts. I could see the guns. I could see all that stuff. And it's just been an obsession and, and uh, out of high school, one of my best friends became a taxidermist here and was really good, had a big business. And this is my favorite thing to do to come over and see the giants that come in that you'll never hear about. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember one night a deer came in off the strip and it was like a 15 by 22. I think we scored him somewhere around 270 and knew he was well over that, you know, just grossing it. And nobody ever seen that deer. It was never in a publication. It was never anything, you know, but just gave you something to dream about. It was just a couple California guys that drew the strip and come up and yeah. shot yeah. him off the road and was excited to get a deer needed at Cape. So. You, you do live in kind of the, the epicenter, right? Yeah. For, for, for mule deer. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right there just north of the Arizona Strip. The Kayabab, the Ponsagon. We got Oak Creek not far. I mean, Oak Creek's only like two hours from here. Yeah, Nevada's great right here. Right. So. Yeah, mule deer is is that kind of primary your thing? That's all I want to do. Mule deer and coos deer. Mm-hmm. I, I like whitetails too. Um, you know, I just hit a point where I was going to be like all the other taxidermists and get overwhelmed and have people hating me and stuff. And so I finally got to the point where I was like, you know. I actually woke up in the middle of the night because I kept raising my elk price and my antelope and all the other stuff to the point where I'm like, well, they'll quit using me, and people will keep using me. And I woke up one night, and I thought, 
man, why don't you just do deer? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, and it was like a light bulb. It was the greatest thing ever. And I did a little post. And it, it made a lot of people angry, you know. And But the thing is, is I want to be proficient. You don't want to drop a deer off and see it two years later. You don't want to drop it off and even see it a year later. You mm-hmm. know, realistically, with the technologies we have and with, you know, tanning and stuff, we can really do stuff if you're on top of stuff and if you have enough employees. And I don't speak for other tax dermists because everybody has their own MOs, but I grew up running businesses. So mm-hmm. when I be, tax dermy became my business, I try to be three to six months and a year is my painstake, you know, like last resort. If somebody's putting me off, I'll do, I'll go to a year. Right. How do you- <clears throat> How do you become a taxidermist? Like, how, how did you, how did you? You know, it's kind of a funny story. My friend that was the, the taxidermist, you know, I, we kind of fought over a big deer one day. And <laughs> fought like this fight? No. <laughs> My he, money's he, on you, he thought He thought that I should be, well, he was a big dude. He, <laughs> You're a big dude. He's scary. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, you know, I found a big buck and he thought that he should hunt it with me. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to get him myself. And then. Yeah, we just fell apart, and then it was years later when I moved down here, a guy come along and said, hey, he needs a friend. And I'm like, well, he ain't my <laughs> friend, <laughs> you know. And yeah. so my pride got over, and long story short, I went up there, knocked on the door, and we became best friends again. Huh. And he was an outstanding, unreal person. Just We just, you know, there's just problems in life, and everybody has them, and, and he was having them, and uh, – I says, hey, let me just come to work for you every day after I get off work, and let's get you back on track. And, man, we had so much fun. And I couldn't believe how much I love fleshing rawhides. <laughs> I know it sounds stupid, but in my other businesses, I'm always running and hustling and never stopping. And when you're just sitting there with a rawhide and you're turning the eyes and the lips and stuff, there's something meditating about it. And it's not for everybody. In fact, I've had tons of people come here and say they want to do it and 99.9% walk out going, yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, I just, it takes too long or it's too difficult, but if you love it and it's funny as I've had two females that have absolutely loved it. Hmm. You know, I had a Maddie, um, Jensen, Clay Bundy's daughter. She worked with me and it about killed her to leave, but she started having babies and, and it was so much fun because she, she had that same passion, but, but yeah, that's how I got, that's how I got started ultimately. And, uh, and then he was never getting back on track with taxidermy. He was just trying to play catch up and he went off doing something else. And he said, man, you need to do this. You love it. And, and I do, mm-hmm. I, 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 I mean, there's, you, you know, people ask how many hours I work, you know, it's anywhere from eight hours to 16 hours a day when I'm in the shop, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I'm out of the shop quite a bit. Cause I like to fish. I like to hunt. <laughs> Yeah. I like to do stuff. People yeah. get mad, but I have other taxidermists that you can drop my, you know, stuff off for me or people pick it up. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times I'll come out here in the summer before it gets light after I work out and I'll look up and it's dark, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night. I'm like, holy crap. You know, I can't believe I've been in here. Yeah. And you think after a few years you would start to hate that. And I think you would if, if you're doing something you don't want to do, you know, in taxidermy. But I love deer. I love touching them. I love, you know, that whole side of it. Yeah. They are fascinating. I mean, I, I'm kind of like you. That Just that fascination of antlers. I think I've always had it, you know. Mm-hmm. It just, 
so many different configurations and you know just they're all unique and different it's yeah. it is weird how that is it's just captivating but it is artwork brady always says yeah i always yeah it's just it's literally artwork to me yeah like every one of my mounts i look at it like it's a piece of art and it's the finest piece of art to me it's like the way that a taxidermist does it and works on it it's like that to me is the best representation of something i want to look at the whole life so it's like it's the finest art piece you can't even put a price tag on it no it's done. yeah for sure I have people price shop me all the time. They're like, well, this guy's this much. And I go, dude, take it to him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm excited for you. <laughs> yeah. But if, High if, five. Yeah, if you're not paying me what it is for my artwork, you know, I, there's a meme I need to post it. It's funny as heck because it's a guy posted a, or drew a, a, the back end of a horse, and it is just insanely gorgeous, muscle texture, everything. <laughs> and the rest looks like a three-year-old did the rest. And he goes, yeah, how much do you want off of this art? Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, exactly. So just kind of looking around, you have all these bounce here. What What's like your process? Are you working on different ones all the time? You're working on one right away? Yeah, I usually have two a day going, and I'll get through those two in three days. You know, like, and then I'll pull, like, tomorrow I got I got two hides out, one for this deer and, and one for another deer, and then, and then I'll pull two more out the next day, and I'll keep working that way. As long as I know I'm going to get full days in the shop, I'll usually have a couple hides out. And usually around about – when I have a tanned hide back and I have the form and they tell me how they want it or they let me do it, then usually I'm, I'm usually a day and a half into putting that deer together. You know, I can do two or three a day, but I can't do them the way I want to. And that's mm -hmm. why I'm a little higher priced. And I, I mean, there isn't a deer that I do. That's a commercial deer. Everything's custom. Yep. I mean, 90% of the time I'm cutting the head off of mannequins and putting a different head on. Hmm. I'm changing head direction. I'm changing something, you know, to make that deer look a little different. Yeah. And one thing I want to ask too, because you said you've been doing this for 16 plus years. Mm -hmm. Is there any methods or techniques that have evolved throughout the years that you started back in the day and now things are a little bit better, more enhanced or... You know, pretty much the same glue. And I don't know. I don't know if the glues were out, you know, the glue that I'm using now. I think it's more of the way I was trained to, you know, I mean, I use pro one glue. It's not a secret. It's it's beyond the best glue on the market. If you're using anything else, you're not getting as much detail and adhesion and everything. And so there, there's things that evolve. But every year I try to go spend some time with somebody different because there's so many great taxidermists now. It used to be that 90% of them out there were horrid, you know? <laughs> yeah, you always see those bad tax yeah. way, way back. Yeah. And, and I'm not the best, and I know that, and, and, and there's things I still need to grow on, and so every year I just pick a couple things that I can get better at, and I pick somebody, and either I pay them to go work with them or <laughs> study with them. And there's all sorts of classes and clinics, and, you know, you can go back east and do whitetail for a week, you know, and, and, and pick the different kinds of classes you want, whether it's, airbrushing or finish work or you know tanning hides you know and, and eventually someday i'd love to get to where i'm tanning my own hides but that'll mean my numbers of animals coming in are very low yeah so the tanning the hide is what takes the longest process right yeah no so when you when when i when i get a hide in i flesh it some taxidermists send it raw which means that the tannery has to turn, flesh it, salt it. I like to do that because I'm particular on how mine's fleshed, how far my lips are turned, my nose, how far my ears are turned. So basically I do all that. I salt it, it dries, and then I take it to a tannery. Once it's at that tannery, it can be a process. I usually pay, I usually pay double or more for everybody's hides 
because I want it back now. Mm-hmm. And they can do it in three to five days. But most taxidermists will wait, like I was trained to do, you know, we'd build up all of our hides over a year, ship them all, and then we didn't see them for, you know, we'd start seeing them three months later all the way up to another year. So we were getting so far behind every time that it drove me insane. So that's why just doing deer, I rush all your hides. And, you know, I I pass that price along in my price, Mm -hmm. you know, because, and I've got a quality tanner that that'll do that for me and he does amazing work but yeah i mean it can be like i said i mean you if you give them 1200 pieces of hide you're looking nine months before you're getting it all back at least you know but i try to take him like 25 30 at a time you know even 10 or 5 or if somebody kills something for a show Mm -hmm. you know i can have it back in two weeks and i can have it mounted within a week and i can have it dried and finished within that third week so we're under a month if I need to be, yeah. yeah. But you're paying for that because you're getting mm-hmm. that much attention. Mm-hmm. Sure. What um, what's the what's the process? So like you know, let's say I get super lucky this next year, I kill a, a big big buck just out our back door here. Mm-hmm. Um, I go up and I you know I cape that thing to the back of the head, right, and and V it out to each each antler. Is that how you prefer it? Yeah, very short V. Short V. As short as you can make it or a T to the back, to the two back bases across the skull. I like a T nowadays. You go right up and then T over to the back of the bases. T over to the back of the bases, not to, back, not to the not middle to the of the middle, bases, but to, to the, the back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not to the front. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then obviously you're going to kill a velvet buck. And sure. And so I do not want you spraying it with anything. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. What? Please don't. Really? You know, um, yeah, there's a lot of people using denatured alcohol. Things like that and formaldehyde, which, you know, if, if, if you're bringing it to me, (laughs) I want to make it the best mount possible. I want to make the velvet look unreal. You know, I want it to look and not lose mass and I'm got better at it. I didn't, I sucked at it five years ago. Every year I get better. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that my velvets got really good because of the care that I take if I get it. But if somebody sprays it with some type of denatured alcohol, eucalyptus oil mix, or they spray it with all this stuff, it just sucks the blood out. You lose your mass. Mm-hmm. And then all those hairs, when they're big and pulp and straight coming out of the antler, now all that blood's gone, all that hydration's gone, and they're just twisting. Mm-hmm. So you got hairs going over, hairs back and forth. Side of, and it, I mean there's only so much we can do. I'm not a hairstylist, you know, <laughs> I, don't know man. I still wash it really well. And I, and I fluff it back up beard oil. Uh-huh. Yeah, there <laughs> yeah. you go. But that's a problem. And, and, and two, you're going to kill a velvet buck. Sure. Don't do, uh, we love the photo shoots. We all got to do it right. Yeah. But put something behind your hands that, that people can't see if you have to handle it a lot. Yeah, Cause that your, oil, the oil, under so your hands keep, and stuff. keep your hands off of it as much as you can, as you can. Like yeah, when we, know everyone wants to touch them and turn, mm-hmm. grab every time. And that's not good for it. It, it. it just isn't. We have so much oil in our hands and, and it's immediately going to make that hair actually start to fall out. Mm-hmm. You know, the more you touch it, I, I don't know how many deer come in and the whole back of the bases are pretty much hairless. Uh especially if they're rodeoing it around all day, letting everybody touch it and hold it and get their pictures. And I've been on a few giant deer that have got killed. Everybody thinks I'm a not, you know, cause I'm over there going, no, Hey, oh, there, hold these paper towels <laughs> yeah. and hold the deer, you know, do something other than ruin his yeah. velvet. But. And then probably when you're packing that thing out, right. Be particular about that velvet, not touching any part of your pack, no straps over it. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll put shirts around it, anything I can, okay. you know, because we're always going to have extra clothing, especially coming off the mountain. Right. You know, um, anything you can do. I mean, even even holding the skull, if you get it caped all the way off. If not, be careful holding that face and all that, too, because the heat from your hands will cause that bacteri- bacteria in the hide to kick. A lot of the time where we see hair slippage is usually around the face and the back of the ears. And that's because they're the two most vulnerable to heat from people holding or touching. Okay. Interesting. Once you get it out of the field, then what? You know, like we're talking velvet still. Get it in a freezer if you can't bring it to me immediately. If you, even if you can just do it in a, in a refrigerator, an extra fridge, just pull stuff out and set it in there. Anything to keep it cold and dry. I don't know how many times people come with a cooler of slushy ice, mm-hmm. and it's just a big blood and hide fest. You so, know? so also in the freezer, would you not want to put it in like a garbage bag or wrap it around it or just basically just set it in the freezer with nothing touching it? Um, it depends on how long it's going to be in there because freezer burns real thing, especially with the ears um, and the hide. It, it, can, it can burn it fast, so some insulation around it's great. If it can be not a plastic bag ever it's the same as your meat Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you throw your meat in a plastic bag throw it in your backpack hike off the mountain you're running a really good chance of heating that meat up you know so if you can get that hide into your freezer in cotton something breathable game bag uh uh-huh and then and then yeah if it's rock hard froze throw two big giant leaf garbage bags over the whole thing and leave it in there and the reason why I say two is just keeping that frostbite or the freeze freeze drying the ear tips, yep. okay, and things like that. Let's go back to hair, hair slipping. What mm-hmm. what causes hair to slip? Is it just the heat and time? I it's, mean, what? It, it's bacteria. Okay, you know, and and, and it's weird because you never know. Like I don't, I literally caped a deer on Indian Peaks, which is like three hours from where we killed it. I caped it when he killed it. I turned and, and fleshed it while we were there in camp, breaking down camp. I drove straight home, salted it, picked it up, and it slipped. Hmm. And it was just that bacteria set off right there. You know, it's kind of like you never know if you're going to get a staph infection or an infection mm-hmm. from a fish spike hitting you. That type of stuff. Anytime a bacteria or a protein turns, then it goes into a bacteria. Mm-hmm. And so, How much time would you say? I mean, I always thought it was heat. Right, so I thought it was heat that would cause it to slip. I didn't necessarily understand that. It it's probably those are probably correlated, they, right? Bacteria sure. and heat. I mean, they they go hand in hand. But Coincide, yeah. What uh, like how much time would you say do you have? Like, so do, an archery buck, you know, mm-hmm. three to four hours if you're keeping it dry. So say you cape it off on the mountain to the back of the head, flip the cape open so that the skin, the hair's down and the skin's up. And if you get a lot of blood on the hide or a lot of blood somewhere. Don't be afraid to rinse it off with a water bottle or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of help with the bacteria not kicking so fast. And then keeping it open instead of rolled up where that, you know, bacteria can start. Get some air to it. Uh, get some air to it. But don't crisp it for us, you know, <laughs> because that's the other thing we see a lot. You know, they'll. And so so I'm saying that right when you kill it. Say you have to spend the night up there, right? Mm-hmm. Then find a big boulder because boulders are going to cool down the fastest, right? They're the first thing to heat up. They're the first things to cool down. I love getting them and just putting them. Then you put the skin down over the boulder and stretch it out to the very edges all that you can. So hair up. Hair up. Skin down. Uh Uh-huh. And then that way it isn't going to lose all the moisture in the hide, Mm -hmm. and it isn't going to dry out, and, and, and it stays cold and cool. You know, sheep hunters will do that a lot at night. They'll pull it out of their pack and lay it on the sandstone or the rocks or whatever. And then 
they don't lose their capes that way, which can be a $3,500 cape. If you if you do kill something, you get it back to your truck, should you put it on ice? Should you put it in a cooler, op- open it up, put it on ice, or is it better just to leave the leave the hide spread out here? It, it's way better in a cooler than a black trash spray-lined okay. liner and a trash bag right. for sure. Any Anything out of the sun, you know, if you have ice that's watered, you know, let the water out or create a barrier in between your animal and that water. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously plastic's the best thing to help with that. So, you know, and I hate plastic in any shape or form when it comes to animals, meat or hide. Mm-hmm. So if you can barrier, you know, barrier that the best you can. But if you have just a bunch of blocks of ice and they're cold, throw that whole deer in there and don't worry about it. Okay. Just get down the mountain and get a hold of us and we'll get it caped off and then it'll be our responsibility. Would you, would you prefer to you know get get a cape and and cape it yourself or you know have you know receive a cape here that somebody else has caped out you know it would be nice if everybody caped great i would say you know cape how many people do you think cape great what do you think the percentage maybe one (laughs) percent even with even with guides and outfitters that have done it all their life it's it's insane i mean i've I've had 220-inch velvet deer that look like they stuck the broadhead in the eye socket for fun for five minutes. Oh my you know, like they cut the corners of the eyes out all the time. They cut in between the the glands, you know. I mean, there's always something that, you're, that somebody's screwing up on. Like, you know, I was talking to you guys earlier. It's amazing the amount of briskets that aren't on an animal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just people love to cut the armpits up into the armpits and, and – it's a struggle, you know. So, yeah, if I can cape them, please let me cape them. Yeah. Especially if it's a question. I mean, we all have YouTube now. Mm-hmm. Should be decently, you know. Sure. We have Go Hunt. We can go on there. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm – I've caped a few, but I'm not – I wouldn't say I'm, like, proficient. And if I do do it, it takes me a long time. Sure. You know, typically in the field, it'll it'll take me a long time. And that's fine, you know, especially yeah. if you're just getting it to the head. If you're caping it off to the face, that's another thing. But – but yeah, I mean, I love it when I get the face come into the shop with the hide and they've, and you know, we got one here we'll play with later, but I mean, I have from the bum all the way forward, <laughs> yeah. you know, How, if, if anything gets cut off, that's my fault now. Right. You know? How much should you leave? Like if you're going to do a shoulder mount, let's say on a mule deer or an elk, how much hide I, should you leave? I always say center of the belly. You start at the center of the belly, you know, and come forward. Sure. Yeah. You can always cut some off on the back end once you're mounting it, but you can't put, put add any to no, it, right? No. Uh-uh. That's why I, I always leave a ton of extra stuff yeah. on there. Yeah. I don't mind the weight packing it out because I know it's going to be a better mount if I just leave more hide on. Right. Well, in a lot of our new forms that are just coming out in the last three years have arms. They have briskets. They have armpits that are actually armpits. They have, you know, full shoulders on some of these wall pedestals where we're actually being able to put a full elk shoulder onto a wall, <laughs> which... And a bison, oh, my gosh. They're coming up with so much cool stuff, you know. So, yeah, all the cape we can get. Go ahead. What would you recommend one place if you're caping out to maybe slow down, take your time, make sure you're getting everything? Usually the armpit and briskets because that's your most tender hide. Like, you're going to go through it like it's nothing. You know, the shoulders are thicker. Everything's thicker down there around the brisket and all that. And the armpits is – it's crucial. Um, Obviously, the head is huge. Um, but, but that's where I see the biggest mistakes lately. And I, I can't recreate a, a 200 inch deer's cape a lot, you know, especially, <laughs> yeah. especially archery and muzzleloader or sheep or bison or some of these specialty animals. You can't, 
you know, you can't re- reproduce hide for them. Right. Or a cape, you know. I mean, it's hard to. Especially those early summer bucks. Mm-hmm. You, you kill a big archery buck, I mean, they've got that unique cape where you typically have that blend of summer hair and, you know, kind of some grays underneath. And yep. that's a unique thing. It's not like you can just reproduce that. Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, what would you, what else? I mean, as far as when you come to the face and you work in the face, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I typically have the biggest issue with is when I get down to the nose and mm-hmm. I get down in there into cartilage and I'm like, do I cut that? Do I take that? I mean, yeah. and you're going to show us here in a minute on an antelope, but, um, sure. are there other areas of the face, you know, that you, you know, people have issues with? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the eye glands, you know, just from the eye right there, you know, a lot of people don't know they can you can literally just pull that out mm-hmm. you know with your hand on a mule deer or an elk they're going to have them on your antelope your mountain goat things like that they're not going to have those i mean there is still a little thing there a little thing with a sheep but it's nothing that you're digging actually into the skull to get out like a deer yeah because i know um, it's just like right underneath that eye socket you really gotta like dig mm, in there yeah and it's you know it's crucial it's not hugely crucial to get all that out for us but like i said i even if I tell a lot of people a flathead screwdriver That's what you know, I use. around the bases in there. You can just kind of pry it out. Then you're not cutting, especially with our knives nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all using some type of razor knife, and uh, it's easy to just cut through. Yeah, I had a buddy that kind of, you know, showed me. He's he's done a bunch more than I ever had, and that's what he, he suggests is uh, just a flathead screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And that's typically what I'll use is if I've got uh, a leather one with me, I've, I've always got a Leatherman signal usually with me. It's got a flat hood on one, so I'll just yeah. flip it over. And I found that's great, especially like around the pedicle. Yep. Rather than taking your, your Havlon or your knife and just like mm-hmm. making a flat cut around yep. the burr, just taking that flat head of a screwdriver and just popping that as you go. Sure. Now, if that deer's velvet and you're going to go around the bases, make sure you take your razor knife and go down around the whole bottom of the burr with your razor knife and do a whole circle around it because that skin is actually attached to the hide a on a tip. velvet deer. That's a great tip because I don't know if no, many people realize that, that that actual velvet is actually connected to the hide. It I mean, is. it's one continual piece, grows yep. right up and out. It's a, yep. a weird deal. And, and leave us that long hair on there because that long yeah. hair is natural. It hasn't got its testosterone yet. It ain't raking trees. It isn't breaking that hair, you know. And so, it, you know, pull the hair down, get underneath that burr and literally just do a circle around it and 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 then you can pull it off way easier Mm -hmm. and antelope antelope are always going to be that way mountain goats are always going to be that way you go around any horned animal but bison you know i think i've always struggled on the antelope part because it's like it looks like it's one continuous piece and i'm like am i cutting too high into Mm -hmm. the horn yeah those those sheaths are jagged yeah yep and if you just take your razor knife and go around the top right to begin with you're just you're saving yourself a lot of time. And then on the flip note, when you get down to the nose and mouth where you're talking about, we like as much cartilage as possible in the nose because then we can figure it out. Sure. You know, especially on a goat or a mule deer or a moose with big cartilage, you know, things like that. So it doesn't hurt to open the mouth from the inside and take your razor knife and just follow that gum line around and then do it on the bottom, right, right on the edge of the teeth all the way around. And then peel it back that way from the mouth. You can peel it a long ways. You can peel it almost to the eye that way. Right. You know, and then when you flip the hide back over, then you can go through your jaw muscles, you know, at the very back. And, just, and those are, and yeah, and just they're connected, right? So yep. kind of skin them up from the nose, mm-hmm. from, from the lips, and, yep. then, and then come down from the top. And, and at least that way, when you pull it down off the top, you're looking right at where you ended and go, oh, okay. And then you'll know where the cartilage, you know, it doesn't hurt with an antelope 
mule deer, elk, all these things, put your knife down there, and if you're hitting bone, you're too high. Sure. Come a little lower. As soon as you go through the cartilage all the way to the bottom, then stick your two fingers in those nostrils on the backside, not not through the entrance of the nostrils, but where you just cut in the cartilage, mm-hmm. and pull and just let your knife do the rest of the work all the way back, and it'll just come off. Right. So I had a per- just a question I always think about. Like you're talking about the front legs and the brisket area. Mm-hmm. So like right where that joint is in the leg, you're going around that first. Yep. And then how much are you actually going up the back of the leg? Like what's too far to go up? Do you like – so if you can not go up the back of the leg, don't. Don't? Okay. No, just especially with nowadays, like with these mannequins, we're getting some of these full arms on there. Yeah. So leave them. And, and so it'll and essen- essentially, it. essentially be tubed, right? Yep. So right there at the elbow of the, of the deer above the hoof, just do a circle around that. If you want to go up, just go up the back of it along the long hair. Yeah, right, the long hair. And then when you hit the height of your armpit, when you hit like where you can see the creamy hair coming out from back where you're at, then just take it and go straight back to the guts. Okay. I'm interested to see what you say about my deer because uh-huh. I think I've been doing it right for a long time, but yeah. like I want to, I kind of want to know. Get, we want to grade on Brady's <laughs> keeping ability. This is an F. <laughs> that, that's something I was just like, I, I never knew just like maybe just keep that around the leg and then just, like I said, tube it down. Yeah. Just maybe do that way. And when people tube it down, they're, they're leaving me brisket. They're leaving me everything. If they're yeah. pulling it forward, you know, and obviously some people tube a deer for me. It's pretty, you know, I, back east, that's a big thing with whitetails. Yeah. And, and especially a commercial taxidermist that's in a hurry. And you're just pulling the hide over, gluing the horns down, putting the face together. I'm not. I'll sew up the back. I'll make okay. it so you don't see it. I'll, you know, do that extra work. And I feel like I can get a little more stretch and a little more stuff out of the hide that way. Mm-hmm. Um, on, like, early season capes, when you're going up the back, is there – it's pretty much the same as when you're doing a late season cape. Like yep. it's same thing for any shoulder mount. Just go up the back of the leg to where you're hitting the armpit. Any animal. And then just, just straight back to the guts. Don't go up. Don't go down towards the brisket. Just that straight line back towards its hips, okay. you know, is, is where you're going to be best. And then, like I said, I, when you flip, an elk's hard, but a deer and that, you can flip them over a little bit and just take time to stop and see where you're at. Yeah. You know, flip it, you know, and look, where's the brisket? I, you know, I mean, we typically need eight inches of brisket where the black starts to the end, minimum. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give us give us three more inches, you know, just, just make sure where you're at, you know, and, and get those armpits that way. And like I said, essentially, I'd love it if everybody just tubed them, even elk. I mean, it's not that bad to do. Thanks, Brady. That's what I want to see. I want him to drink mine. (laughs) He's going to be pissed. I I also, I also have another question here on uh, shot placement. Uh Uh-huh. I I always shoot high shoulder. Yeah. That's my thing. Is that, Uh am I, I I know I blow some big holes out the other side because of it. You jerk. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like, if, I, if I'm going after, let's say I have a sheep tag this year, yeah. like, should I be watching out maybe the shot placement, try not to put a big hole in the animal? You know, you to definitely help you, to help you out on the backside, especially on a sheep or something. You really got to think about it. Obviously, the, you know, being ethical and knocking that sheep down and killing it as fast as possible. Exactly. I don't think you can beat a high shoulder. I hate it yep. because I don't know how many animals that I've actually just kind of came back center mass almost and pulled the trigger, you know, mm-hmm. just worrying about the cape. Mm-hmm. You know, hmm. and, and, and then I'm usually doing a short follow-up shot and it's done. But, you know, it depends on the weapon. Obviously, with a bow, we're going to put a, is a, in a the, hole. A, yeah, yep. the heart and lungs as good as you can. The bow is superior is what he's saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I actually, 
I actually got a 214 buck two years ago that the guy shot it quartering hard to him oh the and, neck. It went, and the blade ran the whole nine inches of the neck so it sliced it all the way open then entered and then exited the other shoulder so it was yeah pretty i've, I've seen some animals that took a glancing shot from mm-hmm. a from a broadhead that just laid it open for a good eight or ten inches oh yeah did you guys use that cape then yeah yeah i got really lucky i mean I mean, the longer you're in this taxidermy business, the better you are at sewing, you know, and hiding things and doing the best you can. And then there's some things you can't hide, and we just got to say, hey, look, we're just going to start over with a new cape. But, you know, it, it just depends. But, you know, something as crucial as a sheep, especially you don't know where that – I mean, if the sheep's in a wide-open flat – Come back a little bit, yep. you know, touch no, the edge no of those No 300 lungs. Ultra Mac, Brady. Yeah. Dang. No ballistic tips. 25 out 6, bud. There you go. <laughs> Rain it in. There's my fave. <laughs> yep. You have to be pretty multi-talented. I mean, you talked about stitching, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you're also molding a form, right, with, you know, sanding it, molding it. Yeah. And then, you know, using the clay and the glue and everything else to, to put that thing together. And that's the it, Honestly, it's the greatest thing of this job. Like, I've never been a tool guy until now. And, I mean, I, I go to the tool stores and stand there and be like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, you love it. <laughs> yeah, I can do this. Because the sky's the limit. And a lot of times, you know, when I first started working with taxidermist, I was sitting there scratching up the form, and the whole the whole exterior of the eye just plops off, breaks. I'm like, oh, hell. I just screwed up a whole form. And he's like, what are you talking about? Just, mold, you know, mold it out of clay. Right. You know, and then I mold it out of clay. I'm like, oh, that's pretty sick, you know. And so – and and a lot of the time I say and I hate to say it, we don't deal with perfect specimens, right? Yeah. And we're not putting a, an animal exact, you know. Every there's always bullet holes, there's hair lossage, there's a million a million things that can go wrong in a mount. So that's kind of the fun part is you're you're never doing the same job every day. Mm-hmm. It's really rare that I just put a deer together. Yeah. You know, I mean the height I was showing you earlier, one ear is perfect, one's blown out. You know, it all have to scrap all that back together, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it just makes it fun. And we, we make mannequins all the time, you know, like a giant mule deer I did a few years ago is a strip buck. And so the mule deer don't match that, you know, mm-hmm. here. So I took that life size form, cut it into like five chunks and we put blocks in between it and we poured urethane foam in there and built it up and then shaved it back down and re-sculpted everything. And in fact, I actually took a shoulder mount deer head and neck and incorporated it into there and cut off its whole head and neck and by the time you get done like that was the funnest part of the mount right i mean it was by far the raddest part of everything because this is why they're true artists man like that that, that makes me really excited it's hearing all like the level of detail like how excited you are about like you're making the form doing old clay stuff and like just customizing it and would you say taxidermists have different styles like do you have a different style and Taxidermists, you can look at them like, oh, they have a different style way of doing things. Oh, of course. You know, I mean, I can walk into any store and see a mountain knows who it is. <laughs> you know, almost all the way within a three to six hundred mile circle of me, I know most of the time who mounted it because everybody has their own styles. Some guys grew up, you know, doing what somebody else did. And, you know, when I started, I wanted to be Troy Truman. He's he's amazing. You know, that guy. He's got like forks and spoons in his shop that he tucks lips in and stuff. And I'm like, well, don't you have to buy a lip tucker? You know, (laughs) but he's, you know, he gets a grinder and makes a spoon into the perfect lip tucker instead of a stupid one they sell you that's. Yeah, he's customized his own tools. Yeah. And I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I, I used to look at his stuff, so I was trying to be him. But then I think it goes back to, 
you know, I, I heard a thing a long time ago where George Jones, you know, he went in to get recorded and he sang five different songs. And I said, man, that's awesome. You sound just like Elvis. You sound just like so-and-so. Yeah. You sound just like so-and-so, but what do you sound like? Right. You know, so that's kind of the fun thing. And everybody I've worked with and I've personally taught, I, that's the first thing I tell them is, look, I'm going to show you basics, but you have to look at everybody's work and you have to sculpt it because we're, we're more sculptors than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we're sculpting the eyes and the noses and, and the mouse and everything to what we want. So you got to be you at one point. Yep. And, and a lot of people just go off reference. I mean, and, and I do that a ton. I have photos everywhere in my shop of reference photos of what that should look like. But a lot of deer are ugly as hell. Yeah. You know, look up Jeremy Houston <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Instagram. Sure. I love it. I zoom in on his pictures and I'll screenshot them. I, I'm sorry, Jeremy, if I'm supposed to pay you something, Split I will. Split ears. But, but yeah, I like, you know, you sit there and look and one's got a big dopey eye and the other one's bright open, you know, or I got that picture of Houdini behind you and he's full alert and both of his eyes are almost shut. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, that's a lot of meat in those eyes. That's a that's a different deer. That's an eleven year old type deer. Yeah. So. so one thing I was thinking of too, when you're just saying everyone's kind of different. Like, how does like a you know like these taxidermy like competition stuff work? Is it just like trying to make it the absolute perfect looking thing you can do, or is it more just realistic, or is it taking some realistic and making it how the animal might have been in the field? Like, what's yeah, I how mean, do they kind of judge things, it, or is it is it good to maybe like go there and have your stuff judged, so you know what you need to work on, maybe? Hundred percent. And I, and I'm, to be truthful with you, I've never done them. I've went and seen them, and I've mm-hmm. watched and stuff. But I can't stand the fact of somebody walking around with a flashlight. Yeah. You know, and saying that they need to see the septum in my nose, or yeah, they need yeah. to see veins in the in the nose, or they need to see something in the ear. I think there's a point for me personally, like. You know, some people love competition. I like going to bass tournaments, archery tournaments. Mm-hmm. I like to compete that way. Mm-hmm. But with my own art, you know, definitely there's – I think I would grow a lot there, and I and I should. And a lot of people say they do. But it's all like, you know, is the bottom lip a millimeter out and is mm-hmm. the – have you put back every, you know, yeah. nectitating membrane, all this yeah. stuff that I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. You know, most of my deer don't look like that. You kind know. of takes the fun out of it. Yeah, a little bit, you know, but I get it. Like, and I like going watching and I like seeing people's mm-hmm. ideas of what it should look like. Yep. But it doesn't necessarily mean if you're a master taxidermist and you're a judge at one of these things and, and they're great, you know, Bill Lancaster's awesome, you know, all these guys, but then they're walking around looking at you going, you know, I don't like that because of this, just so you know, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe maybe I do like it. Yeah, and I believe that my reference photo of that deer was correct, and he's saying it's not because of the deer he's done. Again, it's art. Yeah, everyone's everyone's different. Sure, <laughs> kind of along those same lines. I think. I mean, you talk. I, I don't have many tattoos, but you watch enough tattoo sh- shows. Mm-hmm. You know that a lot of the guys that that do. You know, the, some of the best pieces are created by somebody that just shows up and say, gives the artist full reign. Yeah, saying I don't know what I want you know follow your style create something for me and they do they they captivate you know they get this super creative realm because then you know it's a wide open canvas right do you you have that happen do you have people show up and say man jeff just just create something 100 percent. you're gonna get and and i can't speak for every taxidermist but with me if you bring me a mule deer of your lifetime in and you say hey look just make this thing look the best possible Mm -hmm. you're gonna get the most out of me I don't care how much more money it isn't. It isn't that to me. It's 
it's letting me i'm more worried about that mount than than the guy saying hey it needs to be a left semi sneak to fit on this wall so that sure you know but when people say to me no do it full pedestal do it on the wall do whatever you have to do to make this deer look best i put so much pressure on me i'll do 40 hours on a deer right and i love it i i I wake up in the morning excited to work on that deer because you know there's just there's so much you can do with some of these big nasty bucks and and even these small bucks yeah like I get deer in all the time that are not big at all, and they're some of the most fun, creative ones in the world, you know? Yeah, one of my favorite mounts, I've, I've only had, you know, three mounted ever, but um, of those, the one that I, I like probably, I would say, you know, among the, you know, the top, I really like that thing is I just, I had a buddy that mounted it. We, we did some trading, but he, uh, yeah, I just basically said, you know what, do do what you do you know just mm-hmm. just give me something and when i picked that thing up i remember you know looking at it and being like man that's i guess in my mind it wasn't what i pictured but i loved it yeah. like he has the ears kind of tipped back it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily like you know your your typical pose you know yeah. if you if you will but it was that part of it that really made me love that mount like it's unique you know yeah. when i look at that thing i think man that looks different than other mounts i see but it looks like a deer you know i've seen a deer do that before you know For sure yeah so it was it was a good good product so maybe that's you know hot tip just to yeah give your give your taxidermist some some creative freedom yeah yeah like is there are there certain deer that you're like oh yeah this needs to be a right turn this needs to be a left turn how do you kind of decide that and For especially sure. like with trailers like the ears do you have them both out do you want to like play around with them or yep and 90 90 percent of the time when i look at a deer and somebody gives me free reign or they say hey what would you suggest left or right i usually look usually a deer has a big side small side mm-hmm. And you would think that if you put the big side out closest to people, that that's the that's going to look the best. And yep. that's what they usually tell me to do. It's usually the opposite. Okay. Huh. You put the weak side out, so they're looking through the weak side at this big side. Interesting. And, and then and it pulls you in. And, and I was I was the exact opposite. Me of that. too. Really, I was that really good hot tip. Big side out. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you screwed what up. What have I been doing? You screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and then there's deer. There's deer like a lot. Like uh. Uh, Blake Jr.'s over over here. I'm sure you guys have looked at it. Yep. It is a big, nasty four-point frame with inlines and a drop tine. If I turn that thing hard either way, you're going to miss out on a lot of that. Uh-huh. And so what's rad is, you know, he just said, hey, free reign, you know, do what you want. It's it. I took a I took a, a left semi-sneak, and it, it it's a Bill Lancaster form, so it's kind of more upright than a semi-sneak traditionally mm-hmm. is. And then I cut the head off and turned it and re-sculpted the neck and the shoulders to match it. So it isn't looking straight at you. Because the worst thing us taxidermists ever hear is, ah, just do it straight. Like, there's nothing uglier than a straight animal. Oh, I yeah. told you, Neville. <laughs> but, That's why I always do the big turns. <laughs> you, do, you do too big a turns. That's, it's I, like, I, I like a lot of shoulder yeah. in my mouth. So yeah. Kind of my... Yeah, He's straight on like those ones you see in a bar like the, from yeah. like the 1920s. Yeah, you yeah. Know, most are neck mounts, you know. Right. And, and if you can get a sneak or something like that, it's rad. But, but you know, like that deer just kind of looking more at you, it shows that big boxy frame. Mm-hmm. And it shows all that stuff. But if I'd have turned it hard one way or the other, you lose that. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, I get deer that are 110 inches on one side and 80 inches on the other. You know, you got to compromise that and make it so it looks best possible. And that's always when it turns out the best. When they say, no, it has to be this, you do it. Cause the, and you work your butt off and you put yourself under just as much pressure, but it's a lot funner when they say, hey, man, yep. just make this thing look bad, eh? Mm-hmm. 
Do you do a lot of like habitat work on deer or you just try to... I literally hate it with a passion. <laughs> and, and I did a gorgeous... That's funny. I've, I've thought that before. I've seen, You look at a mountain, it's got all the scene and the vegetation and all that. I thought, man, the taxidermist has to hate that stuff. I, you know, and, and some people love it. I, and, and, and like I said, I, I did like a... Uh, 190 typical off the ponce this year. It was probably one of the biggest killed, and it was so gorgeous. And I, the velvet was just immaculate. And he goes, man, and, and I get it. All those other mounts at home have rocks around it with some sage or some brush or, or the terrain they killed it in. And I mean, I just I, I wanted to throw up the whole time I was doing it because it was such an awesome mount. And then I do it, and everybody who walked into my shop that week's like, dude, do that to my deer oh, next. Yeah. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, no. <laughs> Set a I got to get this damn thing out of here, you know. He's the habitat man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not great at habitat and landscaping, you know. And, and I've paid other guys actually to come in here and do yeah. it who do a better job yeah. than me. Now I think I do as good a job as them. I got to go that next level, you know. But. But, yeah, I don't like that stuff. Hmm. I think simplicity to show off the animal is usually the best mm-hmm. way to go. You always hear a lot of people are like eyes on taxidermy. Mm-hmm. Is that it's true, like the main thing? Eyes, lips, and ears. You know, I mean, you, you get these guys with the big black smile, you know, all the way around their face, you know, or you get a big bottom lip sticking out or you got big greasy black holes, you know, for nose with no actual – you know there's there's a lot of those things that immediately make a mount bad ears are really easy to screw up you know because they'll drum or if people don't use good airliners or they they don't have a great technique of of filling those ears then they'll curl or hair goes the wrong way so i mean ears are crucial to me i do a lot of grooming on them but yeah eyes are especially when you're talking cats holy crap Mm. Everybody can notice a cat looks horrible because of its eyes. <laughs> yeah, but they do have crossed eyes. They're kind right? of the easiest ones to screw up, right? Yeah. It seems like. Well, I, you know, people all the time would come in and be like, "Dude, I'm just using you from for. Uh, I want to use you for this because my guy's great at cats and he's great at elk, but he sucks at deer." And I'm like, "I promise you." If he sucks at dairy, he ain't good at cats. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like write that down. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, it's it is the way it is, and and. You know, I guess my biggest advice with that is, is like I'm a, I specialize in mule deer. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like big mule deer, you like deer with detail or having a say in the way it's going to go, I'm your guy. But if you're going to do a, you killed a mountain lion of a lifetime or an elk of a lifetime, search out those guys that really kick butt at those because who cares what it costs? You're only getting it done once. You're doing it one time. You know, I, I killed a giant mountain lion two years ago on the strip. It was one of the greatest worst days of my life you know and had a blast i mean i you can't have more fun than that and there's no way i would do that i would look at that cat the rest of my life and hate it you know but you know i'm gonna i'm gonna send it to a cat guy that that's all he does is cats right you know and and he's gonna be the best Mm -hmm. you know they shorten the legs they make them look a little bigger make them look like they did in the tree they shorten the bodies, make them look a little rounder. Hmm. You know, you think it would be the opposite. That they yeah, make them build them up. It. It's always the eye play, you know. Yeah, uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, my three mounts I've got in my basement haven't been cleaned in a long time. Okay. What's uh, what's how do you do that? Well, what would you recommend for like maintaining and keeping your animals looking good? Spit shine. Sure. Spit shine. Your <laughs> <laughs> oil. Big loogie. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no oils. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, it varies. You can you can go to mackenzie.com um, and get some, you know, they make a spray just for that, things. But basically, 
I like to air hose everything off, you know, get the dust off. Because if you don't get that dust off, you're going to get dust mites. You're going to start getting patches of hair coming out. So really important, keep them dusted. Vacuum? Yeah, vacuum, mm-hmm. shop vacuum, mm-hmm. you know. That would scare me. You know, like me too, that terrified me to death. What about a bear rug? I know you don't do, I have two bear rugs, and uh-huh. I'm like, do I just run a vacuum over this thing? Oh, yeah. Really? Well, no. Not a regular vacuum, a hose. I just shot that. Thing in like yeah. a, come on. <laughs> I'm like, God. Yeah, don't do that. You're going to break hair. Get the Hoover. Yeah. No, yeah, but if you got a hose one, you know, off a of Dyson or something like that, yeah. that's great. But air them off, and then, um, you know, just some water and a towel. You know, wipe the antlers, wipe the back of the head, the ears. You know, not like excessive water, like a damp, ringed-out cloth. Another thing you can do, I I do it a lot. It does make them a little slick. It makes them a little more dust-free. Um, some people don't like it, but it's Shoshin, mm-hmm. you know, just down at your regular IFA or your uh, – Cal Ranch, what any, is anything like Shoshina, you spray it on horses. Mm-hmm. It's like get them show ready and yeah. nice and pretty and, mm-hmm. and ready. And the big thing is, too, is people are scared to brush them. You know, if you got hand marks in them or you do things like that, get a good wire brush, a pet brush, you know, like a dog brush or something and go over them. Not the ones that are like, you know, get the ones with multiple needles not the mm-hmm. yeah not the ones that are actually going to pull hair out so mm-hmm. and and then you're going to lose hair when you start doing that a little bit no matter what especially an antelope a sheep something like that be carefuler with those but still brush them out and just brush them down the hair goes down just think of the way the rain goes if it lands on their back it ain't running off their ass <laughs> so you know i get a lot of people they'll comb or or taxidermy their animal where the hair is going straight back over the whole animal and uh. armpits are on the shoulders all my biggest pet peeves in the world should, huh. we, should we go into some taxidermy horror stories what's some what's some of the worst stuff you've seen guy you know uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of that. <laughs> don't hold back. It, it's it's usually the newest stuff that's the most horrifying to me. The old stuff don't bug me, because like I took a deer, I bought it from a pawn shop. I'm I'm that bad of a deer nut. I bought this 211 inch non typical that literally looks like a 170 buck, and it looked like a yellow lab. And I bring it home, you know, or to the shop, and I'm tearing it apart, and and I break it off the back, and it is literally stuffed. It is straw. No wow. shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. It is so rad. <laughs> this guy's took a three-quarter inch board on the back. He's took a two-by-six, and he screwed those together. And then he run another one up to the head, and he had some type of form for a head, but he built the whole thing out of clay, more or less. Hmm. So literally, the work that this guy did in the 1940s, 1930s, like, astronomically great. That's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, to be able to do all that he did, I mean... I don't even know how you stuff enough stuffing in there to get that hide filled out as good as he had it filled out, you know, and then there's no glue holding that just basically. And then I've seen paper mache ones where they actually paper mache the form, made it and put the board on the back, you know, and so like you're in elementary art class. Yeah. And it's rad. I mean, I have to take my hat off to those guys, but the the nowadays stuff, when you walk in and something just got mounted and you're like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) I can't believe it looks like that, you know? And, and, and honestly, there's got to be people that look at my stuff and go, wow, you know, and, and uh, I'll never forget. I'm sorry for going on, but, but like, uh, I was in a big time hunter's house and he just got a 240 inch velvet deer done. And I'm like, oh my gosh, so-and-so did that, huh? And, and it looks amazing to me. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, what do you think? And I go, it's amazing. And I says, what did he say? And he goes, 
he overdid it. And I go, he overdid the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that thing's got veins coming out down its shoulders, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah. It, but he's trying to do so much to it. He went overboard. And I do that a lot. Like, I'll catch myself where I'm like, holy crap. I'll look at an animal a few days after I've mounted it and be like, I overdid it. Hmm. I worked too hard on it. I went too far. You know, and a lot of these mannequins nowadays, you know, like this one, you, you've got so many jaw muscles and veins and everything in it. you got to tame that down on an yeah. archery deer now where we used to have to build that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm taming it down instead of building it up. And and if you're not using a quality glue, that's great. Mm-hmm. If you're not thinning the face out, that's great. But if you're doing what I'm doing, it's going to look like it just got off a hard pump workout. <laughs> <laughs> And I can't, you know, when I'm doing it, I love it. But then a few days later, I'm like, man, I overdid it. Right. You know, I should have tamed everything down more and not tried so hard. I have one more question. Is it true sunlight really bad for hides, especially antelope, like that stuff fades or keep it away from like a window? What about just regular UV lights are worse? Even these? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they kill everything. They kill pesticides. They kill carpet color. They kill everything. So no matter what, UV rays are always, you know, I think... LEDs are better. Mm. I really do. I think that's going to make a difference. Okay. Our uh, tans in our hides are better now. I mean, there's there's some tanneries that I see them. They come back. They've been acid pickled so bad that they're they've lost a lot of color. Like somebody will get a new antelope back, and and I showed you guys that antelope earlier. I mean, it's gorgeous, gorgeous. white, mm. gorgeous brown, you know. And then you'll you use a different type of tannery. They got sawdust all over in your broken hairs. They got all this in there. And if you're not washing it out and then your colors are so dull. So as long as you're using a good tannery, you should have some pretty vibrant hides that are lasting a lot longer. Yeah. Maybe it's just the way like my dad has some antelope that are probably 20 plus years old. Exactly. And they're almost white now. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I've reconditioned some of those. I don't do it now, so don't ask me, but, (laughs) but you can airbrush a lot of that and you can, you can make it look better, but. But yeah, I mean that's that's usually the old tanneries. There's just okay. too much acid, you know, mm. the pH and all that, and or they pickled it too long. I'm not a tannery expert. I just know that that's where it usually gotcha. starts. Do you have anyone ever come in and be like, "Yeah, this mount sucks. I want it redone." Like they had it from somebody else and is like super shitty, and they're like, "Hey, can you like fix this for me?" Yeah, and I, I've had it with people with mine. You know, to be honest, you know, I've I've. I've had that a ton with other customers. That's the sucky thing about the taxidermy world. I'm as honest as they come. Yeah. You'll look at a mount online that somebody just mounted. Everybody's saying, dude, amazing. It looks awesome. And to them, it does. It's their animal. They just want to see it back. Yeah. But us taxidermists and guys who know are looking at going, good hell. I can't believe they can comment that. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, and people used to do it to me. They're like, oh, my gosh, that's the most. Then three months later, I'm like, oh, my hell, I cannot believe I posted that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm kind of through those growing pains now, the first four or five years of doing taxidermy where you're like, man, this looks amazing. And then you see it a year later and you're like, oh, please bring it back. I'll do it for free. You know, and, and I've literally done deer that just looks so bad because the cape don't match antlers, especially deadheads or sheds. You know, you get some of those where you're like, this doesn't, this doesn't work. You mm-hmm. know, uh, the Hidden Instinct guys, they brought mm-hmm. me the wall. And, I mean, it is such a rad deer. I hunted it for a year. Right. You know, I mean, we wanted to see that thing dead so bad, and then I get it in here, and I put it on an old, nasty – it was actually a Wyoming cape. And Wyoming has a lot of white in their face. Mm-hmm. Do you think the more white would be better? It is not. Hard to work with, I bet. It, yeah, and it just, it just blands out, and you don't get 
symmetry and, and depth and everything. Mm -hmm. and, and it looked so bad, and they came and picked it up, and I called them, and I says, hey, I just got another cape and bring that deer back. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm not charging you. I'm tearing that thing apart, and I'm putting this other cape on. So, But, yeah, I mean, I get a lot of that. And especially older mounts, you know, I get a lot of that. What's, like, the most can you do if someone says, hey, I want this to turn the other way? Could you do that? No. Once it, well, <laughs> it depends on how old it's been. If it's me, if I just did it, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I, I can do it. I don't want to. I got to rehydrate that hide. Oh, I man. glue, I scratch a hundred percent of the form, and I glue the form and I glue the hide. Most taxidermists just glue the face and the armpits. Hmm. And so, to get mine off, it's a nightmare. Hmm. And 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 I'm not saying the general commercial taxidermist i know don't glue a lot so it ain't as bad to rehydrate and redo but with mine it's a nightmare so like brady's yours is he just brought one in that's broken mm -hmm. yeah fell, fell off the wall yep so you're just gonna start from scratch basically yeah because i'll have to I'll, I'll reset the skull like i'll i'll uh yeah because skull plate's completely cracked yeah the skull plate's broke so what i'll do is take all that apart and then i'll i'll usually pour a little plastic form in a skull and have it in there so then it's 100 percent reattached looks 100 percent normal so instead of a 29 inch wide buck i now have a 32 inch wide yes buck? yes okay. <laughs> <laughs> i actually had a deer come in for a remount and the guy who had killed it had passed away and it was like this deer i'd seen in this house for all my life growing up it's like 39 inches wide <laughs> and palmated and it's got in lines everywhere and i'm like oh my gosh i can't wait to do it and the worst or as soon as i undo the sewing it just fell apart yeah, it, it it was no, it was oh. literally it, like fiberglass bondoed, and this was killed in the nineteen forties. Hmm. It was a legendary deer, and they made it that wide. I I had the original oh. skull still there. I chipped everything away, put it back together. It was twenty two inches wide. No so they had made way. It they had made it forty. They were trying to have <laughs> the forty inch deer. Yeah. That's yeah. a great story. But it was like. But well, the worst part of it, honestly, was for me is putting it back together how rad it looked. Sure. I mean, it looked even bigger and better because it was a tower deer now. Right. So you, re mass. you did you remount it then at the proper uh, the 40, proper yeah, proper skull? No, I oh. put it back out. Okay. They, they, sure. they, they, That's they, what they'd seen on the wall for. They, they would years. still not even know to this day that I did it. I wouldn't. I just tell you guys because nobody will figure out what deer it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's in a house. It's not nothing That's people so know. That's so funny. But I was so bummed to see that. I was like, oh my gosh, but. But, I mean, we grew up as kids where they, the old men had the hydraulic jack and the two-by-four oh, between yeah. the antlers and a yeah. bottle, bottle, bucket of water and every day go out and give her another. Yeah, give her a crank. Yeah. Yeah, spread that out. Yeah. That's so funny. That's hilarious. Um, what other questions? Any other questions you guys have? No, I think that was it. I think it really opened my eyes, though. Like, when I, when I walked in here with that deer that was broken – I told you I was going to put it on a pedestal, but now that listening to you, I might just tell you just do whatever and not even put it on that pedestal because like, let you do your, just do your thing. And I'll find another deer later on for that. Cause it's like, I kind of just want to see what you'll do with it. Yeah, sure. And, and like, I don't want you to have to match it up because I have the other ones turned one way. So this one would have to go on the left side, have to be turned deer's right. And it's mm -hmm. like, maybe that's not the best for it. Just do whatever you need to do the deer to make that. Cause that's that big inline on the one side and do the, it how you want to the like. one thing i love about pedestals and, and i didn't learn this till a couple of years ago but i redid a trophy room and it was everything was 15 to 20 feet high in this trophy room the guys killed like 20 over 200 inches Jeez. you know just a ton of gagger bucks and he's collected a few and and i've done most of the work on all of them so he says hey i'm redoing it and we went in and the first one he had at eye level and i'm like 
I didn't know how big that deer was. Are you kidding me? That's like a 214 typical. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, and then I'm, I've got them all down there. And I'm like, these deer are so much bigger than I remember. And it wasn't that I remember them that way. It was just, they were eye level. Mm-hmm. So we did his whole trophy room at eye level on pedestals. You know, the whole right. roundabout of that room, back of the room was mule deer. And, and what I'd like to do, and especially with like something like yours, I'd like it to go back on the pedestal. I just like to make it so it pivots. Okay, yep. So that you can, like my wife, when we first built this house, I, I built a big uh, barnwood pedestal in my basement, and I had my two biggest deer in there, and one's, one's my big typical, and, and, and there's just angles that they look better, mm-hmm. right? And, and I'm on a love sack one night, and the next <laughs> night I'm on the recliner, next night. So I'd get up and walk over and just move it an inch. While we're, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're watching, we're watching the notebook, and yeah. she's in tears, and I'm moving the deer a little bit. You know? Classic. <laughs> that ought to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, so I love pedestal. I love the idea that I'd love to just get your pedestal here yeah. and redo whatever I need to do to make it so it turns on that pedestal. I'm thinking about just getting on that pedestal. Yeah. Just, do, just start over with a new pedestal, too. Yeah. That, way, that way you can get it whatever you is here and sure magic yeah and, and there's such i i got a guy who builds me pedestals it's just amazing he does barnwood trees everything all right we'll talk yeah i'm liking this what if somebody wants a cape i mean what how readily available are those what's that process like do you i'm always buying coos capes and mule deer capes really i'm always buying them um every year you know i'm paying for guys europeans if they're big i'm giving them money if they're really big Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always got capes cool. and I try to be that way. Um, like right now I need a big Eastern whitetail cape. I'm just going to order one, you know, you mm-hmm. can go, there's a couple different places that sell them, but you're going to pay three to $600 for a really good cape online. Right. You know, most of the time I try to keep my customers around that 150 to $600 range, just depending. Cause if I have a strip cape, you know, or one of these once in a lifetime capes, they're just, I can't just let them go i i got enough of my own deer i'd love to put them on so some right. some of those will get up there but 250 300 for a really good cape most of the time so would you suggest people if they're thinking about just doing a euro mount and it's still a big deer but they're like oh, i don't want to mount it like maybe you should consider bringing it to a tax service and for sure giving it to them just for to help sure. out other people yep. and the biggest thing they need to look at too and, and maybe they don't know a lot of people don't know but that deer needs to be four years old or older you know which is a mature buck yep. right i mean a three-year-old deer's borderline, four-year-old's great, five's insane, six, let's go. You know, yeah. like, like it's really rare to kill something over those age classes now. But but I get them, especially you you kill a big funky two-point that's eight, nine years old, nobody's wanted to kill, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden he don't care no more. He's going to walk out in the wide open. And you, <laughs> and, and, you know, and they're unique, but you don't want it mounted. I'll buy that cape in a second. Yep. Every taxidermist should. Okay. And good. if they don't, or they're saying oh, they'll just take it for free, then bring it to me. I'm going that big is, cape hunting. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good tip. I've killed some bucks that I, I haven't. Uh, I just have European mounts. I've got some 180s bucks that yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't cape. Mm-hmm. I just just took the head and euroed it out and wished I had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a 24 Nevada tag last year, and it was like the second day of the hunt. I've got this roman nose giant bodied insane buck and his bases are probably six and a half seven Mm -hmm. and he just turns into like a back fork three point ugliest thing you've ever seen and i'm like damn i wish this was the last day (laughs) you know know, it's one of those old bucks you're gonna (laughs) see him once you're never gonna see him again He, he he made his one appearance so cool yeah 
Well, I appreciate you spending, I don't know, what were we, an hour, over an hour? Over an hour, yeah. yeah. I appreciate the, uh, spending the time. Tell us, just before we go real quick, um, I mean, are you, are you taking deer? I mean, how yep. does this work for you? Do you, you only prefer deer? Yep. And, I, and, you know, people think I just want big deer. I want all deer. I, I, I mounted a spike by two last year. I call them ace deuces. The guy <laughs> was just as excited if he'd killed a 40-inch non-typical, you right. know. So, yeah, I, I love taking on deer. Um, I don't want your elk. I don't want your moose. I don't want your buffalo, <laughs> bison, whatever. You know, I mean, there's other great taxidermists for that. Sure. But, yeah, and if, and if I can't take your work, I've got other taxidermists here that are great. So just give me a call. You know, I, I'm easy on Instagram to find. Um, I do have a website that has my phone number. I don't ever get on the website, okay. but text me or call me. And your Instagram just uh, strip tax dermy. Strip tax dermy. Right? Yep. And then Baird's Beard Oil. Yep, Baird's Beard Oil. That's where you. That's where you get to see more of me. I, I I throw a deer up here and there on strip tax dermy, mm-hmm. but I answer a lot of questions on there. Or give people my phone number on there so that they can call me. Cool. Yeah. You've been extremely generous with your time today. This we appreciate it. Absolutely awesome. amazing. I learned so much yes. from this. Like all these little tidbits. I'm gonna like I don't normally listen to a lot of podcasts tomorrow, <laughs> but I'm gonna go back through and listen to this one again. You That's guys a lot are, of good gems. You guys remember when we first pitched the idea of getting a podcast, like one of my first ideas was like, you know, we need to get Jeff Baird on on the <laughs> podcast because really he's was. one of my favorite dudes and just favorite characters in general. Mm-hmm. I I'm one of those guys that can stop in at Jeff's spot know, you know I'm it is in his, in his uh taxidermy studio here and he's probably just like Troy, would you please get the hell out of oh. here because you've been here for four hours but <laughs> um yeah I, I love to, to to sit and talk to jeff he's a great storyteller so yeah, we appreciate your time yeah awesome cool Thanks. appreciate you guys until next time